Matthew 18, 22 through 35. And it reads this, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often do I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors who brought, who, who, who brought in, who owed him millions of dollars, he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I will, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in a man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you the tremendous debt. How many of you had a great debt to the Lord? Because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And that's what my, now listen to this very carefully. This is Jesus' words. And he says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Father, we thank you this morning. First of all, for the great ministry that you've brought us to that has the great mission of winning the lost. But before we could do any of that, God, we have to have hearts that are pure, that are forgiving, that are loving at all times. And I pray for the ministry of your Holy Spirit this morning as you sift, as you move, as you begin to just uh, uh, penetrate hearts this morning. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody says. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I heart you. Go ahead and be seated. Now this is the month of, this is the month of love. Love is in the air. Right? That's when a lot of you start going on Facebook, start sending messages to old girlfriends and old boyfriends. I'm like, Hey. You know, then you got your, like, you got your skinny photo on your, on your Facebook profile, your skinny photo. <laughs> or you're like, your skinny avatar that doesn't look anything like you. That's, it, that's the person you want to look like, is that little avatar, right? That, like, <laughs> <laughs> but it should not be only a time for love as, when it comes to the opposite sex. But, but if it also is a time for us to reflect and to cherish our friend, family and friendships. Relationships with others are vital to our growth as individuals. Establishing and maintaining healthy relationships is one of the most important things we'll do in our lifetime. We all have, them, we all have relationships in marriage. How many of you are married? Lift your hands in the air. 
How many of you want to get married? Lift your hands in the air. All right. So, okay. All right. We all have, you know, we all have relationships with marriage. We all have relationships with family. Some of us come from big families. Some of us come from smaller families. But those are lifetime relationships. Some of us have uh, 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 ties with friendships. Some of us have, uh, you know, uh, relationships with our kin, our kinfolk, our kinship. See, some connections come, may come easy and bring great joy. While others may take time to build. While relationships aren't always easy. Are easy, while we, relationships aren't always easy, they are some of the greatest treasures you and I may have. Someone once wrote, don't, someone once wrote, don't value possessions, value relationships. In 2023, there was a loneliness survey done. You know that song, only the lonely. How many of you are lonely? Lift your hands. We'll pray for you right now. I'm just kidding. In 2023, there was a survey done about loneliness. And this was a worldwide survey. At the end of the survey, they named it the loneliness pandemic. One out of four people in the world feel lonely. Now, there are many factors that lead to uh, this worldwide epidemic or pandemic. Um, But one of the main factors is, of course, related to social media. And they believe as social media, because the young, younger people are using social media as a means to, to maintain, to engage in, and to have fulfilling relationships across the social media platform. How many of you know that's unrealistic? Right? Or if you don't know, it's unrealistic. They use it as a means to connect with people and to build relationships. And this has been connected the social media epidemic that leads to loneliness has been connected with the issues that we are now dealing with in the world of mental health. That's why there are more people today that deal with anxiety. Now, it's not all related to this, but a lot of people uh, are dealing with anxiety when they get in large crowds. A lot of people are dealing with depression. A lot of people are dealing with comparison to people they see on Facebook. Because everybody, you know, don't believe everything you see on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. You know, you don't see what happens when they put that camera down. You don't see what happens when they're alone in, in the room. When they're, when, when they're alone in the room, sometimes they stare at the wall. But in the back of their mind, they hear the conscience call telling me. Oh, you guys don't know. That's that old school stuff, Antonio. See, human beings need social connections to thrive. This is by a, a, a human beings need a social connections to thrive. And being embedded in strong supportive networks can protect our well-being when we're faced with difficult challenges in life. This is Dr. Olivia Rim. She's a mental health researcher at the University of Cambridge in the United Kingdom. What what she's saying is that connections is essential to you and I thriving in life. But see, God's word also places places a high emphasis on our interactions with one another. In the book of John, Jesus tells his disciples, you are no longer my slaves, but you are my friends. You are no longer my slaves, but now you are my friends. Because they called him master. In that, in that meaning, in other words, we are your servants, Lord. That's, that's how they would communicate to him before this point in scripture. But he says, no longer are you that. You are now my friends. So he placed a high value on relationships, on friendships. If we look at the Ten Commandments, how many of you still believe in the Ten Commandments? Well, hopefully you do. The first four commandments 
deal with our relationship between us and God. But the last six commandments deal with our relationship between one another. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. That's between me and you. And it goes on. So we, we understand, and the, and the Ten Commandments set a clear understanding that if, our, if our, the first four deal with God, the second four deal with each other, that if our relationship with God is intact, that the byproduct will be you and I having healthy relationships with each other. Okay, I thought I would get a bigger amen than that because, see, some of us come from dysfunctional I heard it said, none of us come from functional families and friendships. We come from dysfunctional places, no trust, misuse, abuse. So we don't trust, we're suspicious about everything. But if God placed a high value on relationships, why don't we? Well, I'm Puerto Rican. You're a Christian first. I'm Mexican. They don't understand. I'm I'm just hot-blooded. You're a Christian first. The moment you gave your heart to the Lord, your, your, your natural citizenship became your secondary. But now you're a heavenly citizen, and you're to think like Christ, and you're to become more like Christ. And not only that, that's why it's Puerto Rican, because you can have good relationships. Mexican, you can do, you know, have healthy marriage. African, you can be friends with other cultures. See, it's important for us to understand that God placed high emphasis on relationships. The Bible says that Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. Some of us just say, I just want to please God. But if you please God, there'll be healthy relationships around you. Every believer should have three relationships in their life. Is there Paul relationship? That means that this is the relationship with their leaders, mentors, or disciplers. If somebody is not pouring into your life, then you need to really get somebody. Now, you know, I believe that most of, you know, anybody that's directing your life should be a Christian. Should believe in God's word and giving you direction. But there are other people, if somebody's great at business and they want to be mentored, as long as they have ethics and they're correct. And, of course, that's, you know, that's something that's with wisdom. Learn from them. But get around somebody that's going to pour into your life the biblical principles. That say, listen, I, I, you know, the reason why many of us have made it this far is because somebody came alongside us and said, listen, I'm just going to show you what I've learned and what, what has helped me serve the Lord for 20-something years. And I told myself, I want somebody like that in my life. I want that Paul relationship. And I have that with my pastor. In fact, happy birthday, pastor, if you're listening. You need to have that leader, mentor, that somebody that's going to give you biblical sound advice. See, Paul tells the church, follow me as I follow Christ. See, the, the, the mentorship, the, the, the disciples, uh, the, the, the person that is able to lead you a little bit is the person that, that God has set up in your life. Now, the reason why we don't do that because we don't trust people. We've been misused. Maybe leadership in church. Maybe we face certain things in our family. So we don't trust people. And then we always have that eye. You know that eye? That side eye. Manny looks at me every time when I come in. He has a side eye like, hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like that. He's like, mm. with his nice new Nikes on. And then, you know, many of us, we may have more than one. You know, it's not good to have a whole bunch of them. But at least a good one or two, maybe three. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs. See, Paul was able to pour into people's lives. Who's pouring into your life? Oprah? 
Phil Donahue? Or, uh, Dr. Phil? Who's pouring into your life? See, Paul poured biblical understanding into people's lives. He poured spiritual disciplines into their lives. And he also poured practical living. You know that he was a hard worker? You know that he had a, he had a job on the side? He had a side gig? Like if you wanted a tent made, you just go to your app, I need a tent. Man, praise the Lord. He was a tent maker that, that he said, I don't want to be a burden to anybody, so I'm going to help make tents. And he would sell them, and that was his side business. But he showed him how to live practically. He showed him, listen, this is how you live for God. And listen, we could look to him because he, he withstood a lot. I thank God for leaders that have been in, through the battle, that have been talked about, that have been slandered, that have been accused. But they stand strong, and God has defended them. Those are the men I want to be around. We need a Paul in our life. Well, my husband's my Paul. And that's good, yes. But that, you need to have an outside. Somebody that's going to, if it's a woman, get a woman leader next to you. Say, listen, I need, I just need somebody to, to help direct. And when I have questions about life, especially when it comes to questions about marriage. Because that is one of the greatest decisions that you will make. We celebrated Valentine's last night at Bertucci's. We went to, um, we went to Venice in Bertucci's. And they said, you know, say one thing about your spouse. That, and there's many things that many of us said, like, you know, I thank God for marriage, but if I didn't marry the right one, I wouldn't be here. My kids wouldn't be here. My, my calling wouldn't be here. See, some of you want the right now, not the right one. Marriage is very important, but you need a leader to help to say, listen, I'm thinking about marrying this individual. And then I would ask the question, listen, do they love God? That would be my number one question. Do they love God? Are they going to take you out of God's plan? Or, or do, do they love God more than they love you? Because if they do, then you can rest assured they'll never cheat on you. He poured, he poured those things into their lives. The second relationship we must have is the Barnabas relationship. That means the relationship with our peers and with our friendships and those that we could get around. And 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Why do you hang around people that are going to take you down the wrong path? On Sunday, you're with us, but on Monday night, you're over there with the club, with the clubbers, dancing. Mm -mm 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 -mm, right? Or we're over there drinking and sipping and having friends that are okay with us doing that. You need friends that are going to tell you the truth. Brother, you need to change that attitude because, man, it's, it's contagious. You, you, you need to change the way you talk because you can't be a, Christian, a cussing Christian anymore. Hey, brother, you need to. And, and, but they don't only tell you they're able to help you. I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to pray with you. We need good friendships. You know, the older I get, I, when I was younger, I didn't think I needed anybody. Just me and my wife, and we'll do it. And the older I get, the more I realize I need people. That's why I thank God for our leadership team. If it wasn't for them, I don't know what I would do in this city. You know? For good friendships. Proverbs 17, 17, it says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for time of adversity. The reason why some of us don't have friends is because we don't love them when they tell us the truth. I see it all the time. You tell somebody the truth, man, they hold it against you. Oh, they don't say it, but it's on their face. They don't say it because they don't message you no more. They used to message you all the time. They used to come visit you, but now they don't because you've, you told them the truth to help them, and now they want to cut you loose. See, we need to get, I heard it said, we need to get a, a sewing kit instead of scissors. We cut people loose so very easily when they tell us the truth. But the Bible says a friend loves at all times. Barnabas 
name means encourager. He was an encourager, and he, he encouraged Paul. In fact, when nobody wanted nothing to do with Paul, Barnabas said, listen, I'll get a hold of him. I'll pour into his life. Nobody wanted nothing. Oh, the great Peter didn't want nothing to do with Paul. But Barnabas said, no, 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 I'll, I'll take a chance on him. And the Bible says they built a beautiful friendship. They built a friendship. You need to get, a, you need to get some friends that are encouragers. You need to get some friends that are going to not only tell the truth but are going to encourage you. You could do it, Santino. You could do it. You could do it. Uh, 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 Lola, you, you know, you could do it. You know that video game? You can do it. I don't know, is that you can or something? You can. I don't know. How many of you have good friends that will lead you in the right direction? Now, listen, I have different kinds of friends. I have my ministry friends. I have friends that I could call and just vent. I could vent. Man, man, this person doesn't want to listen. This person is giving me attitude. Man, but, and then they'll tell me the truth. Like, okay, well, what is God doing in you? Or, or they'll just listen. Sometimes they just want somebody to listen. Then after you spill all the... After you spill everything out, you realize, wait a minute, I might be wrong. Because <laughs> I just heard myself talking, I might be the problem here. Has that ever happened to you? You're like, this person did this, and they're doing this, and yeah, yeah, I'm going to tell them that. And then we're like, wait a minute, ooh, it might be me. Right? I, but I have friends like that, like ministry, I have my friends, like my close friends. I have, there's a couple of them that I have. But then I have friends that, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, that they're not saved. But I don't hang around with them on the weekend. I don't go where they're drinking, and, and if I do because it's a birthday party, I want to be a witness, I go real quick, I hang out, bam, then I take off. But I always let them know, listen, we'll pray for you. Hey, listen, come to church tomorrow. I'll pick you up. Whatever we got to do with my, and I'll, you know, so I have different kinds of friendships, but there's peers that I need around me. You could just be yourself and, and have friendships and, and being able to take things from each other, whether we like it or not. That's a true friend. Can they, tell, can they tell you the truth even though they know you might get mad at them? If you do, that's a friend to hold on to. I, I was watching a series. I'm going to say which one it was. And it was about medieval times. And there was, the king has two advisors. And the one advisor is going along with whatever the king wants. And another advisor says, listen, the reason why we're in our position is to tell the king the truth. That's real loyalty. You want to be loyal? He, if he goes the way you're letting him go, he's going to destroy this kingdom. And, and it showed me that, hey, sometimes we're going to have to tell people the truth even when it hurts them. But we don't leave them like that. Say, listen, if you want, I'm going to help you. I'm going to partner with you. And see, that's a real friend. But then also we need the third relationship, which is the Timothy relationship. This is the relationship that, that, that relates those of us that God has brought to us a new beginning Christian and you and I are to shepherd and disciple, disciple them. Now, are the pastors the only ones that are supposed to do that? No, that's your job as well. You, when you see somebody in the church that's new, you're, there's, as long as you're one step ahead of them. In other words, as long as you pray five minutes more than them. As long as you read one more scripture. You, there's no, you know, I'll have to go to Bible school first. And I have to spend hours in prayer before I disciple. No, my friend, that's not the biblical understanding. You need a Timothy in your life so that you can say, listen, I'm here to just take you one step at a time. And if I can't take you any further, then I'm going to pass you on to somebody that can. We need that. You know what it does? It helps you live right. 
When you have a Timothy, you can't just be over there cussing and smoking. Man, you're like, no, I need, to be, I need to be an example. I need to be somebody that if they're looking at me, I need to walk right. God, help me. When you have a Timothy, it keeps you closer to God. It really does. Do you have a Timothy? We need Timothys. Those are three Christian relationships that you and I are detrimental to our Christian growth. How about our relationships with family? How are we supposed to portray the love of God to our children and to our wives and, and, and to, to our husbands and to our parents and to our family members that aren't saved? That we have to be the image and we have to have, and, and family conflict is always the hardest. When you have family, there will be years like oh, son and father don't talk. There will be years when different things, well, my mom and this, because maybe we did things. Maybe they need, because God's got a restoration. And he wants to restore families. He wants to heal families. But it starts with you because you're the one that God has touched. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. My dad be, you know, I, let me just share this. Is I, my, my dad was never around. My real father. His name was Artie Carrera. They used to call him also Bear. He wasn't that big, though. He was like a little guy. And he was a heroin addict all my life, was in prison all my life. I, think, I don't ever think I've even met him. I talked to him on the phone a couple of times. He was an old school homeboy. He would say, orale all the time. Like, good morning. like, hey, good morning, Art. Orale. He was one of those guys. And I remember 10, I was saved about 10 years. My children were really small. They might not even remember this. And I, something in my heart said, you know what, I got to, like, I didn't forget. I didn't really know my dad, so I didn't, I thought I didn't have hatred toward him. You know? But I kind of did. And so I, I, got a le- I wrote a letter, and I said, listen, bro, if you want a relationship with me and my kids, like I told him something like the ball's in your court. And that was it. That's all I said. Sent it. A, few, a, few, a couple weeks later, I remember a month, I get a phone call from my half-sister. She says, oh, you know, our dad died in prison. He was, a pre- he was doing life in prison. And the funny thing was that... And I was really broken. I was really broken. Like, I didn't know the man, but I felt like, I felt like um, a piece of me was gone now. It was the weirdest feeling because I didn't know him. Like, I had an opportunity to forgive him. I had the power that God had given me to forgive him. And it has been one of my greatest regrets in my life was I didn't write that letter and say, you know what, Be- you know, Jesus loves you. You know, don't worry about anything you did. I'm at where I'm at because of the Lord. And, I, and, and, and if, like, I didn't take that opportunity because I was a seven-time forgiver. Our relationships with our family are very important. I treasure my family. I treasure them more than ever. I, I treasure them more than ever. How about our marriage? You know, how are, are, is our marriage supposed to look? Because these are all things the Bible talks about. Marriage, when you're looking to get married, does that person love God? The Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It's harder when it's like that. It, it is hard. Now, if you are unequally yoked with an unbeliever, just keep serving the Lord. And The Bible says God will do the work in them as, as they see your life. But marriage, how, you know, the importance of marriage within our life is so very, very key and so very important to have godly marriages. Especially in a day and time where marriage is looked at like, you know, you don't need to be married. You don't need to be married to, to do these things and live with each other. And, and you, you, that's old school. That's what they say nowadays. How about our parenting? Dating, not the right one. Not the right one you want. It's the right now. 
The winter's cold, Pastor, and I just need somebody to keep me warm. Buy a pillow. <laughs> because when God brings you the right one, it is always worth the wait. It is always worth the wait. And then our relationship with unbelievers, our love for each other, listen, the way we love each other should be identifiable for the unbelievers. Why do you guys love each other so much? Because we love God. And guess what? We love you too. Our love for each other should be so evident. Now when people come into our midst, do they see complaining and grieving and fighting more than they do love for one another? In our opening text, we see Peter asking Jesus, how many times should we forgive? And Peter says, seven times? Now, the, rab the rabbionic law said to forgive three times. Forgive three times and then you fulfill the law. After that, you don't have to forgive that person anymore. This is equivalent to our day, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. The mentality of I'm not going to let that person get over me ever again. I forgive, but I won't forget. That's not forgiving. But Peter wanted to look good to Jesus, so he said, seven times? And in other words, seven was the number of completion. So if I forgive seven times, it's complete, right, Lord, right? I did, I did four more times than the rabbi said. See, for some of us, that's the problem. We are seven-time forgivers. We forgive up to a certain point, and that, it's not really forgiving. We, we say we forgive, but we harbor in our heart the offense. We harbor in our heart, the, we resent that person. We, oh, we don't say it, but our eyes deceive us when we look, oh, you could tell when they don't want to be. Then when you come in, then they, they, they leave. And, and, right? Ever been like that in marriage? You go in the room, your wife walks out because you guys ain't talked for two days. Oh, maybe that was just my beginning of my marriage. I mean, my God, I don't know. We offend, so we only forgive up to a certain point. We only allow God to heal up to a certain point. We only allow God to do certain things. But the Bible says that there's no blessing in that. And when we don't forgive, in fact, it's not only, it's not only unspiritual of us, but it's also unhealthy for us. That person probably living his life like he don't even care. You're the one that has a prison built in because every time you see that person, you cringe. You're the Grinch. You're the spiritual unforgiveness Grinch. And for a lot of us, it's hard because we've been hurt by family members. We've been hurt by leadership. We've been hurt by different people. So we, we, we don't forgive easily. But the Bible says that the king forgave us of much. I don't know about you, but there was much of me to be forgiven. There was so much in my mind, the, the filthiness of my mind, and not only to say the things that I did in life. He forgave me. It was wiped clean. So how can I have offense toward anybody? That man that gave me that $100, I called him the next week. And I said, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I did anything to ever offend you. And he goes, no, Pastor, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. And, and then it was even, it was like, just kind of like a misunderstanding. And he says, and he started to tell me, and I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that either. Like, and he says, oh, man. And it was sometimes, if I would have held on to that for the rest of my life, 
I could have missed, because the Bible says, well, there's unity. Listen, when we're united in our family, when we're united as a church, that's why I love our church. Everybody that comes in and says, man, this feels like a family. No, in families, we do fight, amen, right? But listen, when we're united, when we're united, you know the Bible says that God does? He commands his blessing. He commands his blessing. That's why even for me, like my family, I don't fight over the same things I used to. Because I want to be united. This morning, you know, we have a vision and we talk a lot about reaching the world. But at the same time, we have to be a church that is filled with love and forgiveness. And I'm, we're, I'm learning that more than ever. I'm learning that more. You know, you think at 47 you would have learned that. But I'm the kind of guy like, yeah, if you, you don't need me, I don't need you. I'm just going to keep I love you, but I love you from a distance. That's not always what God wants. No, sometimes there's wisdom. Sometimes you can't be around toxic people all the time either. So sometimes you're going to be like, oh, I love you. Um, but I'll see you at church on Sunday. Okay. But there's other times God say, no, 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 let those walls down. Because I'm going to use that person to sharpen you. Iron sharpens iron. There's sometimes they share things with me and I don't like it. But I'm like, man, I, I didn't see that. I, oh, I got to make an adjustment. I got to make a change. My wife will share things with me. Very rarely. She says I'm almost perfect. <laughs> She'll tell me something and, and I got to take it to heed. And say, man, I want to be a better husband. I want... I want to be a better father. I want to be a better leader. I want to be a better Christian. You know? But I can't do it if I'm holding things in my heart. This morning, I just want to pray. Maybe for some of us, there's not so much unforgiveness, but we've been hurt. So it doesn't lead us to trust easily. We've been offended. We've been rightfully so sometimes. But even in those settings, Forgiveness has to take precedence over everything else. When you remember what Jesus did for you and I on the cross, we could hold no grievance toward any man. Charles Spurgeon said, a Christian man cannot hate anybody. Even the people that hate us. You know, that's what God's really been dealing with me on lately. What do I do when I'm telling somebody about Jesus and they get in my face? You know, the, the street guy wants to come out of me. I'm like, ooh. But how about the love? How about turning the other cheek? This morning, I want to pray. And this is a simple prayer. Listen, this is not our usual, you know, we're going to take the world message. But it, but it kind of is because if we have things in our heart, we're not going to take anything. We're not going to win our families. We're not going to win our communities. We're not going to win our high schools. Because there's no forgiveness. And I don't know who I'm talking to. I, this message started with me months ago. Months ago. Where I had to really let the walls down and say, you know what, I can't hold grievances to, to anybody that's offended me in the past. And this morning I think that God wants to heal some hearts and he wants to restore some relations. Maybe it's your parents, you haven't talked to them. Maybe it's a friend that's been telling you the truth and you've been really mad at them. And Whatever it is this morning. We're going to pray healing. Because once that happens, 
The Bible says he commands blessing. You want a blessing, right? And it starts with forgiveness. Forgiveness. 